There's a reminder to us as we sing this song, A Beautiful Life, of reminding ourselves what is the purpose of that beautiful life that we live. Is it to bring honor and glory to us? Or is it to bring honor and glory to God? For God to be glorified in the life that we live and the things that we do within our life. The Apostle John, as he's writing in that first epistle, and in the third chapter, starting down about verse 13, Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. And whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed And in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now he who keeps his commandment abides in him, and he in him. By this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. This love of God that absolutely changes the life that we live is that reminder to us that again it's only because of who God is. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But it was for that love was to bring glory to the Father. Father has no greater joy than to hear that his children are walking in the truth. It glorifies him. We're challenged to find that perspective of how God sees us and and uses us for his glory, for his honor. You think about Israel coming up out of the land of Egypt. 
You see him there in the wilderness and Moses going up onto the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. He's coming back and the people committing idolatry. And more than that, but idolatry was the main cause in, involved in that. Angered the Lord as well as Moses. The Lord was wanting to destroy the people and start a new nation with Moses. Moses says, you cannot do that. You have a name. And what type of name will you have if you're not able to keep your people? That challenge is still there. What type of name will God have if he cannot keep his people? If his people, because of who he is, of his people because of what he has done, of his people because what he is doing, of his people because what he shall do, will not trust him, love him, enough to follow him until death comes their way. What glory does God receive? You look at Job, Job 1 and 2. The confidence that God has that his people can. Have you considered my servant Job? Righteous, upright, hates evil. That brings, God, that brings honor and glory to God for who he is and what he's done. But what is being done is to bring glory or bring honor and glory to God as opposed to us. Nothing righteous in what we do. The righteousness comes from God and it is there to glorify God. It's for the people, to, for the world to see. You're, you're like a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. The world watches and observes and again, we, you see that all the time. You can watch Dallas from a distance and see the lights there. And again, it's one of those things that when you are the light, or yet you're in the light, you cannot see very far into the darkness. But if you're in the darkness, you can see the light from a tremendous distance away. <coughs> Love all those commercials for the flashlights they have out, tack lights or whatever else they are, that you can see them from two nautical miles away. You can see that light from a great distance, but if you're two nautical miles where the light is, you cannot see two nautical, nautical miles away. You cannot see. The world is watching and observing Christians. But Moses is reminding God, you've led the people out here. I'm, and he's saying, the world is watching. What he did was not in a secret. 
He delivered his people from Egyptian bondage, led them out of the land of Egypt. Whatever the estimate may be, one million, two million, it doesn't matter. He led the, the nation out of Egyptian bondage. The other nations were very much well aware of that. And what will they say if you're not able to complete your task? And as a result, as you read account after account after account, the nations knew that God, or that their God, the God of Israel, was with them. And it was their God, the God of Israel, that was delivering those nations into their, their hands. They understood that. We're not able to stand against your God. But when the people falter, when the people do that which is wrong, it causes the name of God to be blasphemed. Robin King David faced, as well as others, because of the wickedness. The nation would see the hypocrisy, the lack of trust, the lack of commitment, and blaspheme the name of God. Who is this God? who they say can do great things, but who will not demonstrate that within the life that they live. God shows his love for us by predestining us for adoption into his family. What a thought that is brought out there. Paul reminds us in Ephesians 1, verses 5 and 6, part in there, and love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. What's the purpose of his will? To the praise of his glorious grace. He saved us for the purpose of his will, which is his glorious grace. How else do you describe why a creator of the magnitude that God is would even care for a finite human being. And that would plan. History. To the benefit. Of these finite human beings. Who are weak and frail. That he would execute that plan. Throughout history. To bring about the Savior, to bring about salvation, to bring about the hope of an eternal life with Him one day. And that He would adopt us. The Hebrew writer in Hebrews 11, down around verse 16 and following, when he talks about the people of old and how they had faith in God, says, God was not ashamed to be called their God. What a statement. What a statement. We see the the pride in our own lives and pride of our children and, oh, I won't dare say grandchildren. That goes without a doubt. There's pride there. But for God to have pride and not ashamed of his children, 
And some have known what it is to have children that are brought to shame. But to have a God who's, who has that confidence in his people. They're going to falter. But when they do, they're going to turn back to him. It's where hope lies. Where does that come from? This conviction that when you stumble and you fall, when you transgress God for a generation, that through repentance, God receives back and accepts and has that place prepared for us. That he would do this before the foundation of the world. God shows his love for us by his creating us. I've always loved Genesis 2, 4. Just marvel at that one. Because I look at Genesis 1 and read the account of creation there. Read the understanding that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And he said that to be light and there was light. That was that spoken word he created of magnitude that we do not even begin to comprehend of this physical universe and this physical planet. But it's Genesis 2-4. And God made man, or formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Wow. Created all those animals, spoken word. But it came down to man. He formed and shaped man from the dust of the ground. Just trying to picture that. And then to give him the breath of life that sets him apart from any other life, animal life, is separate. And then he planned from then on out and before that. Planned to redeem us with that creation of us. Then you can go back to Genesis 1, 26 and 27. God created man in his own image after his own likeness. Created man after his own image. It's not the physical. There's a spiritual side there but that he would create us after him. Even knowing what man would do in return. Just look at human history. But look at biblical history as well. How many times do those who claim that they knew God worship idols? I always loved the prophet of Isaiah talking to his people of his day. He said, I'm paraphrasing. He said, I don't understand you people. I really don't. He says, you go out into the forest, you cut down a tree, you bring it back, you cut the tree in half. Half of the tree you cut into firewood 
And the other half of the tree you form into shape into a, a, a god, an idol, and you worship him as God. He said, I'm confused in what you're doing. He said, are you worshiping your firewood or are you burning your God? It's the same tree. What are you doing? Foolishness. And how many times have we let foolishness separate us from God? Forget the magnitude of his love for us. He's not willing to abandon us. Hebrews 13, 5. I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you, says the Lord. Never leave us, nor will he ever forsake us. God shows his love for us in sending this Savior. And again, through all of this, it's not for us. It is for the glory of God. Back up to Isaiah 43 and verse 6 and 7. Being his sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is already called by my name, whom I created for my glory. He sent a Savior. Luke 2, 2, verses 10 through 14. And again, as he talks about sending the Savior into the world, it closes out. Glory to God in the highest. He sent the Savior. The glory goes to God who is in the highest. He has demonstrated and shown his love. Have this love in you that was in Christ Jesus. Have that type of love. To know that this is what he's done for us. And in other words, we're not the end result of what God has done. He didn't do all of this because of us, for that we could have salvation. He's done it for the end result to be for his glory, for his honor. That those whom he has created, those that he has preserved, those whom he has cared about who do not even know that, when they come to have a knowledge of him, we can glorify God. For his people to be able to say, I am what I am, but because of the grace of God. It's him living in me. It's his doing his will within my life. He's to get the glory. He showed us his love for us when Christ died for us. Paul in writing in 2 Corinthians 13, 2 Corinthians, excuse, 3. Get my glasses on, I might read it better. Oh, let's try 5, 14 and 15. One of those great things you get to do. For the love of Christ, which controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, And he died for all that those who live, listen, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their their sake died and was raised. You live for him. The glory is for him. That love of Christ controls us, constrains us, keeps us where we ought to be. 
He does that through our reminding ourselves as we gather around the, the Lord's table. What do we do? Remembering a, a body that was broken on the cross. Partaking of the fruit of the vine to remind us of the blood that was shed. To remind us of the depths of God's love. And again, in order that we might bring glory unto Him. We live for Him to do His will. To do the things that indeed would be pleasing within His sight. God shows His love for us by making us spiritually alive. You who were dead are now alive. You who had no hope now have hope. This the magnitude of that. The world sees it periodically. They don't fully understand it. But they do see it. You're different. Your language is different. Your idea of a joke is different. It's different than what the world has. What the world calls comedy. It's nothing but filthiness. I mean, it's nothing but filthiness. To see what they laugh at, what they joke about, what they made movies about, what they got TV series about. All those things that are abominable in the eyes of God, the world laughs at. And you don't. You're different. Those who knew you for those who became Christians later in life, Maybe not much later in life, but in adulthood, they've seen a difference in what you were and what you are now. It's to the glory of God. It's not us saying, oh, look what I've done now. I made this change. Look what I've accomplished. No, it's because of the blood of Christ. And the glory goes to Him. I live for Him. I've died. I've been crucified, Paul said. I no longer live. But it's Christ who lives in me. And now the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. That's the type of life I live. That's what the world sees. And as they may acknowledge or may admire, they will also persecute because it's different. It's strange to them. And you, you make them feel uncomfortable. That you don't like the same things that they like. They want to do the same things that they want to do. Got a different goal in mind. You know, to be told by a company, no, if you just put in a few more hours every week or every day, you can become top salesman of the company for the week. And it's like, oh, really? Get to be top salesman for the week. Where's that going to fit into eternity? You do your job, yes. 
But the reason you do it is totally different than what the world does. They want the end result. They want that paycheck, whatever it is, for the, the, the fleshly end. And they forget about the spiritual end. He's made us alive. Gives us a different sense of purpose. And this to, you know, again, briefly, uh, to absorb what's going on that God has done. It's just, it's overwhelming. And again, to think that how much, how much he loved. That he went after the worst of sinners to show that through him God can forgive anyone. Sought him out. So that he could be the example of the forgiveness that God offers. And that he offers it to us all that we will but follow him. God shows his love in the way that Jesus prays for us. In John 17, in verse 24, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you have loved me before the foundation of the world, that we could be as they are. Again, that concept that God has for us, the confidence that he has, We talked about Satan being the master of deception, the master of destruction, the one who knows our weaknesses and tempts us, the one who already knows his end result, and yet he keeps striving, successful to a large degree, But the fact is, he will never, ever be totally successful because of the grace of God. Because you will believe in that grace. That you will believe that as you change your life and have changed your life, that you, as an individual, are able to glorify God. Satan will lose his battle. Again, he'll take a majority with him. But he will not get them all. Our task is to help others to try to see this. Our task is to help others to try to see the depths of God's love for them. The extent that he was willing to go through not just for them, but also for him to be glorified. It's for his glory and his honor. If he trusts you enough to save you, can you trust him enough to glorify him by the life that you live?
But that decision has to be yours. Do you realize the depths of that invitation song? I need thee every hour. Not an hour goes by, a minute or a second goes by that we do not need God in our life. Do we forget that from time to time? Do we need to be reminded of it from time to time? You are a child of the living God. Live as a child of the King and glorify Him in your life. If you're not doing that now, you need to make a change. We'd want to encourage you to seriously do that this evening. If we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, making your life right with God, then indeed we would bid you to come as together we stand and sing.